This is Sunlight Square, live and direct to you. brand new podcasts from the Sunlight Square Towers isn't it this is very exciting <laughs> <laughs> I am joined by the legendary Mike Vitti from Jazz FM how are you doing Mike I'm good Claudio you yeah you know I can't complain look, yeah. at, look at that it's a beautiful day today isn't it gorgeous view of London yeah I mean it, it feels like we're finally finished with the miserable weather isn't it I think so. And the music's going to cheer us up as well today. Oh, most definitely. Well, I, I am, I'm a big um, lover of, uh, of um, Mike's work because uh, he's, he's one of those selectors who doesn't simply settle for what's predictable. He's a real digger. He's been... Well, I've got a lot of questions for you, but um, we're going to keep on listening to... Uh, what are we listening to right now? Oh, this is Eddie Russ. It's called Zayas. Ooh.
So, right. I mean, this happens to me a lot when, when I speak to um, uh, people who end up doing a great deal of selection for a living, yeah. like yourself. Uh, I think that there are seminal moments in your life where you realize, I love this music. That's what I want to do forever. Yeah. And it usually happens when you're pretty young. Yeah. What's your uh, episode? Oh, blimey. Well, I, it's, it's a long one. It's a long story, but I, I'm, uh, I'll try and cut it as short as I can. But when I was very young, my uh, mum and dad used to run a nightclub. And it was a live music venue. Oh, wow. and, um, and it was a cabaret club, so the acts weren't fantastic. But they had live musicians in there all the time. And I started playing the drums very young. And I started collecting records in the early 70s. And I found out very quickly that I didn't like the rock music that was on the jukeboxes. And I was gravitating toward the disco because I liked the production. <laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> right. And, and that's what it was. So I, I reckon I was probably... See, I was born in 65. So I'd have been about 10 at the time. And, um, and disco was just breaking out. So I loved all of that massive production that they had, you know, and I loved all the strings and the orchestras and all of that kind of thing. And I used to get records off the jukeboxes when the guys used to come and change them in the bars and the clubs and things right. like that. So I think that, that at that point I discovered very, about maybe a year or so later, I discovered Chic. Oh. And I found that I just loved well-produced music. And it started from there, really. Right. Wow. Fantastic. And and I mean, it is. It, did did you start selecting actively music like you do, like to impress a girl? You know, mixtapes <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> mixtapes, man. I tell you. I mean, it was like it was crazy because in those days we used to we used to put microphones up at the TV and record Top of the Pops. You know, on these little portable right. cassette machines, and like you'd sit there hanging, waiting for a great song to come on, and then you'd press the play and the record on it from the television with this microphone, and then you'd stop it before the DJ or the presenter came on to speak, and then you'd be waiting for the next one hovering and it could take like three or four weeks to get a 45 side of a tape done just so you could present it to this girl to take her out on a date you know? and you had to ask everyone to be quiet everyone in the house my mum and my dad and my brother and everything is like quiet top of the pops is on you know I want to tape it now <laughs> and then take it to the youth club you know to impress a girl you've got a tape there say do you want to go out with me I made you a tape exactly <laughs> right, exactly yeah. you know that that's how it would work that's how days. it started that's how i started djing really i mean yeah. I, I, I never really until now until you said it actually i never really thought about that but i was basically djing then i was selecting of course you are yeah. you know i mean the, the thing is <laughs> i mean you know i mean as as, as, as i as i have said before you know being a musician it, it's it's always great but it's also a cage because you're focused on your instruments mm -hmm. or on on whatever but when you have the perspective of a DJ which is why I embraced it then you really become a selector and you really become you know developing your, your tastes mm. as, 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 a, as a selector and I guess that's what happens when you do mixtapes isn't it I think it is I, mean, I still do it now I'm still I'm always making mixes for the programs and stuff like that and you know my friends are always asking me what music they should be listening to and, and I still and so even now the um, uh, now the equipment is more sophisticated and the technology is better but fundamentally at 47 I'm still doing the same things that I was when I was 11 <laughs> Aside from the fact that I'm now married and I don't need to get a girl, <laughs> but, but, apart, <laughs> but apart from that, yeah. 
Oh, fantastic. So I guess Herbie Hancock is a natural step. Yeah, I love I love production. And one of the reasons why I chose the Eddie Russ track was for you. Um, um, because I, I obviously I know you play keyboards and I know that you'd be really impressed with the production on that, even though it was done way back when. And, you know, and it's got one of those rare things in it for me because I'm not a big saxophone fan, but it's got a great sax solo in it as well. I just yeah. love the way it's played. And it's one of those, if anybody was to say, play me a jazz funk record to explain what jazz funk is, Eddie Russ would be it. Wow. I just say, yeah. just listen to that. If you really want to understand what jazz funk is, just listen to that. It's only five minutes long and it will just tell you everything. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. But moving on to Herbie, well, I mean, this is an interesting one. I only discovered this remix of this song two weeks ago. And this is what's really exciting for me is even though that song was made in the 70s that we're going to play in a minute, uh, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast will recognize it from uh, the King B track, you know, the sort of 80s and 90s hip hop tune where it was sampled. But this is a Mr. Scruff remix. Now this guy's a great DJ, Ooh, he's a brilliant him. musician and uh, this never got released and I only found it a couple of weeks ago and um, I rang him up and asked him if I could play it and he said yes it'd be fine so um, have a listen to it, it's just amazing what he's done with it actually.
mean, this is this is like a bit playing God, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just two kids playing in the lounge. That's what it is. It's uh, you know, I mean that. I mean, how you can be so brave to take that Herbie track like it that. It takes a lot of guts. You know, it does. And, um, you know, it was sanctioned by Universal. They allowed him to do the... the, the, uh, the oh, so, so you're saying it's not a bootleg. No, it's not a bootleg. No, it, um, um, he, was, um, um, he was commissioned to do it, and they decided not to release it in the end. But, um, but it, was a, yeah, it was service to the DJs. But unfortunately, it never got released. It's a shame, really, because, you know, what it's done is, is, you know, I mean, if you're playing in a sophisticated bar like we were talking about while that was playing, you know, you could play in the East End of London or in the uh, Northern Quarter in Manchester or anywhere around the world in a sophisticated place, you could play the original of that. What he's done there is, is give people like you and I the opportunity to play that in a dance venue where people can actually dance to it. And I think that that's what's so brilliant about it because he's not changed it sufficiently enough to make it anything other than a re-edit and that's what i like about it he's not ripped it apart you know fantastic amazing so and so i guess you 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 have been playing music like that at, at some point when you started djing professionally mm-hmm. right and and then what, what was the time where you actually started getting paid gigs oh i was about uh, well i mean i mentioned earlier on that we lived in sort of pubs and clubs and all of that when i was younger and we had some um, uh, we had a couple of places where there were function rooms so uh, they'd be weddings and so on that people would come and have their wedding party where we lived and I used to DJ so uh, I was probably about 12 or 13 when I first started doing paid gigs you know and um, and I carried on playing drums till I was about 17 and then I got the opportunity to go and work abroad in Mallorca uh-huh. uh, and I thought well I can't really turn that down at this age you know, so I went abroad and, and I started, and then I, I, I gave up the musician side of things and I, and I turned myself into a DJ. And at that point, that was when I, I knew exactly what it was that I wanted to do for a living. Right. Yeah. Amazing. And, and, and what was the time where you actually transitioned into radio? That w- oh, radio was a couple of years later. I, uh, I stayed in Spain for about three years and then I came back. I got my first job in radio in 1989. Oh. And uh, and I've been on the radio ever since. But obviously, I and the reason why I did it was because I was I thought at that point at 25 I was getting a bit old and I didn't think I was going to be able to be a nightclub DJ forever. I thought that I didn't and oh, and, and, like, and I saw the music was changing slightly. And because you know DJs always want to play new music, I've actually discovered now actually it's not about new music anymore. That's not what it's about. But at the time when you're young and naive, you think it is. And I didn't like the way that new music was going, but still wanted to play records for a living. So I thought, well, I'll just go and be a DJ on the radio then. And that's how it started. And I kind of fell into it wow wow yeah i mean yeah plus you know here in london the tradition of 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 radios is so important because i mean there was a point where um pirate radio came along and they started playing uh r&b music and, and rock music against uh you know the regular bbc sort of uh safe 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 yeah sort of playlist and uh, did you feel part of a movement at some point? Um, I think I probably uh, at that point um, I was living in London in about 85 something like that and at that time um, BBC Radio London was playing a lot of soul music uh, Robbie Vincent, who now works at Jazz oh, yeah, FM, uh, was on Radio London doing a phone. And Jeff Young, who also now works at Jazz FM, 
was doing the Radio 1 Big Beat show, which was the first dance music show on Radio 1, which had come from, I believe, Radio London and, and the Pirates before it, because there was, a, there was a pirate radio station that used to broadcast into London called Horizon Radio. Mm. And, um, and that had people like Pete Tong on it and various others, you know. And they all sort of started in that. And I, I think when I decided I wanted to be on the radio before I got on there, that was my aspiration. I wanted to be part of that DJ mafia, you know, that sort yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Chris Hill and Froggy, Sean French, Robbie Vincent and all of them and all the guys that DJed at Caster, the Soul Weekenders and stuff. And I think that that's what I was aspiring to at that particular moment in time, you know. So if it hadn't have been for those guys who now I'm lucky enough to work alongside at Jazz FM, some of them, which is a real honour, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know whether I'd still be doing this now, you know. What, what What's the track that you want to play next? Okay, can I pick any of these songs that we've got here? Of course. All right, I tell you what then, why don't we play War, You've Got the Power, because um, this is a, it's a, a, one of those songs, we were talking earlier on about um, music that sort of shaped my life, and this song here was one of those disco funk crossover tunes that I think that really was one of the records that I thought, yeah, that's actually it, that's the music that I like, that's what number the music is it again? I want to play. Second one from the end. Second so, one num from Number nine. Number nine, uh, war, war. Uh, there it is. Okay, let's listen to it.
So we were saying, actually, with house music, nothing has been invented, has it? No. <laughs> Just <laughs> the only thing they've done is sort the BPMs out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because I'm gonna be going uh, about two, three weeks to Miami. I'm gonna play some music, mm-hmm. and I love to play house music. But you know, we were saying how music should be always intelligent, and you could totally drop that track in a house. I, set, th- I you? think you can, and, and it's um, you know the DJs. The DJs have to be bright. You know, and they've got to be intelligent, and they've got to think about the room and the set. And you know, it. I think I really. I mean, I would say this because I'm a DJ, but I believe there's a real skill and an art to being a professional DJ. You know, and I think that it's it's something that you know. It must be a gift, I think, you know, because anybody can stand up there and play records, but not everybody can DJ. Of course, you know, and uh, and I'm very protective over this um, uh, this thing that I do and these people that I work with, and I don't suffer fools greatly either. I don't like pretenders, but I love intelligent DJs. I'm not bothered about whether they're technical DJs. They don't have to be the best mixers in the world because you know what? The customers don't care. They just want yeah. to dance. You know, so it's great that you can mix and I love to mix and I like having fun and it always keeps me excited when I'm DJing if I'm mixing or scratching or cutting and all of that sort of stuff. I like to do that. But actually, if I I, I wouldn't I don't achieve anything else by it, you know, I could still play the records and People would still dance. I'd just do that because I like doing it. But, you know, I love watching DJs play who think about the room and they work it properly. You know, and, and really, yeah. you're actually managing the evening as a DJ. You're not just a DJ. You manage the night. You know, so you, you decide you decide when people are going to dance. You decide when they're going to go to the bar and buy a drink. You decide when you want to turn the dance floor over and get some new people on it. Yeah. You know, the whole thing. I mean, it's a bit of a control freak, freak thing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to totally. be honest. But you are, you're not just a DJ. You're a night manager. You know, that's what you do. Absolutely. And, 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 and there is a skill to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I always see the DJs as uh, you know the ultimate performer. Not only because it's very hard to DJ in in the sense that I mean, if I'm if I'm playing a gig as a as a piano player, yeah, then you know I you know I screw up one note. It's not a massive problem because mm-hmm. the music keeps on going. You know, there's the drummer, there's everyone else. But if you screw it up. As a DJ, the music stops, yeah. and you and you know the, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, so I, I double appreciate uh, good DJs who can perform uh, amazingly on the decks. Well, there's so much music out there anyway. So when you trust the DJ, like we were saying about Joey Negro, Dave, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who by the way is going to play at your Funky Sensation He is, yeah, he's, uh, he's our guest DJ on the 14th of April, which you played at a few weeks ago, which is brilliant. That's right. Oh, you know, you. and uh, and yeah, and um, you like your mashups, don't you? I know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, yeah, so Dave, Dave Lee, uh, Joey Negro is playing on the 14th of April. It's upstairs at the Ronnie Scott. Upstairs at Ronnie Scott's in Soho in London. Right. So uh, that's going to be a great night, and um, you know it's only a small bar, and it holds a couple hundred people, but he will tear the roof off the place. <laughs> I mean, he's been there three or four times before, and it's always incredible. I mean, he's without doubt my favourite DJ. Right. You know, I just I just love what he does. I like the way he crafts his night, and I love the skill of it all, and I like the way that he'll pick 
records that you really wouldn't expect to hear to be played and I love the way he gets people to dance to those he's a very smart guy absolutely absolutely yeah. plus you know I, I, I like the fact that they do the dirty job of digging music for me yeah uh, so once I trust the <laughs> DJ you know I don't need to worry about anything I just you know listen to his playlist and I get new music but you know that's the thing right you know earlier on we were talking and I was saying I, I realized about this new music thing right as I've gotten older and become a bit more mature I've realized this new music thing doesn't have to be new music it only has to be new music to you or new music to me right That's so therefore um, therefore um, it could be something from the 1950s or it might be that very rare Mr. Scruff remix of a Herbie Hancock track that we just played which has got you all excited that you want to play in Miami now you, you bet know. so like just six <laughs> minutes so of that song I'm your mojo mate oh no it's fine man don't <laughs> worry about it but the, but the whole point is I get a buzz off that because I played that to you now you're all excited and you're going to go and play it to somebody else and it's that viral thing that this music thing has so it doesn't have to be new music it's just got to be new to somebody and I said uh, earlier on I I've, I found that record two weeks ago, you know, and having known the original for God knows how many years, you know, so so I, I'm excited about that at the moment. That to me is a new project. So I guess the natural step for any DJ and any music lover or music collector is to transition into producing music and re-edit and remix music, which is well, what you do, right? I do a few, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I'm relatively late to this, to be honest with you, because the day job of running a radio station and radio presenting and DJing doesn't leave me with a lot of time. Uh, that and the fact that I, I don't live in London, so I have to commute as well, you know. So I'm, I'm sort of a bit tied with time. But we've managed to find some time. The head of music, Christian Braggart, Jazz FM and myself, have done... I think four or five remixes of some songs now um, um, and the, the one we're going to play in a minute actually is very exciting I went to, I was lucky enough to go to New Orleans in November and um, and I um, I met the original meters all of them wow. all four of them uh, Leo and Art and um, and uh, George Porter Jr. and Zigaboo Modeliste who's the drummer and um, through meeting them we got chatting and we got the opportunity to remix a track from Zigaboo's new album uh, which you'll be able to hear is him in a minute when you hear the track playing because he's got a very obvious drum sound and um, we gave he was given we were given the opportunity to remix it he loves it He's going to take our mix as the lead track on the album. Gets released on iTunes next week. Um, he was performing at one of the Grammy parties with Mark Ronson. He's on the oh, next wow. Mark Ronson and Erica Bardu track. And, um, and yeah, this is going to be the lead track of his album, which is brilliant. And apparently I've been told he's going to play our version on Letterman in about a fortnight. Wow. So that's just really exciting. Amazing. So I'm really pleased with this. And, you know, um, it sounds quite different to the original version. Um, and we've given it a bit of a UK feel. And I think he likes that because, you know, most of the stuff produced in New Orleans has got a very definite sound to it. And um, just check out the guitar solo at the end. That's all I'm going to say. This is Zigaboo Model East and uh, New Life. Doing fine. Doing fine. Doing fine in my new life Doing fine, doing fine Doing fine in my new life Take care of business Good God Take care of business Good God Day after day You misuse me Promising me nothing but heartache When I needed 
attention Seem to be some dissension I'm telling you, you made a big mistake You know, I'm doing fine, fine, fine In my new life I'm re- we're really pleased with that. I gotta say, I mean, I, you know, the hardest part for us, because I mean, you know, this guy's a legendary drummer. I mean, you know, for goodness sake, it's Zigaboo. And, and like, you know, you, you you listen to these things and you think, oh, how can we change that without messing up the guy's art? Right. That's the first right. thing. And I think and that's the one thing that I've learned with this remixing thing, actually, is you've you got to have the respect for the art in the first place. And, you know, you don't want to rip it apart, do you? You know, you've right. just got to, you've got to pay due deference to that you know and I think that that's really important about the remixing I couldn't agree more because 
I, I just got a chance to remix uh, Giles Peterson's Havana Cultura thing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you get this amazing singers, this amazing production, and, and you go, how do I go on about it without making an ass of myself? Because, mm-hmm. you, know, it's, it's you know, it's a very fine line. You're trying to imp- imp- make something different out of something that is amazingly good in the first well, place. I mean, a good example, actually, I think, is um, um, is you, your version of I Believe in Miracles that the Sunlight Square did. Right. Because, you know, it's one of those things, I think, when you listen to it, when you're remixing something or when you're producing something, I think you have to... The first question you ask yourself is, how can I make this better? You know, because you have to make it better. Because otherwise, there's no point. Right. You know, it has to be different and it has to appeal to somebody else. And, you know, and, and I think if you can't make it better, then just don't bother. Yeah. You know, and, and, and but you have to have a, a different and original spin on it. And that was what was so interesting. I remember the first time I heard your I Believe in Miracles, you know, I was actually in a nightclub and one of the DJs played it. Um, I didn't know who he was. And I actually went up to him and said, you know, can you please tell me what this song is? I really want to get hold of a copy of it. And he told me who it was by. And um, and I just thought that that was terrific. because. And then in the same set, actually, he played Alex Wilson's version of Ain't No Body, which, uh-huh. is, also, you know, which, um, uh, which is also brilliantly different to the Alex. original, right? And, and I just thought, that's just great. I love those two songs together. They work really well. They were very different. And the beautiful thing about it was, is, is that Jackson Sisters song that you were brave enough to make a cover version of is a real iconic song, you know? Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. And it's one of those records that you can play as a DJ in a wedding disco or in a sophisticated nightclub and you can get away with it anywhere and um, so when they hear your version it's still got that it's still got that in there and that's brilliant and you've got you've got those Cuban singers who can't speak English mumbling their way through I Believe in Miracles which is brilliant it really gives it some great flavour and uh, and so so the, the mechanic of the song is still the same but what surrounds it, you know, is completely different. And I love that. We'll be right back. 
just amazing. There is something about Japan, isn't there? I don't, um, I've never actually been there myself yet, and I keep threatening to go, and I'd love to go and DJ over there. But Christian, who we were talking about earlier, who's my partner with the remixes, um, has got his own band, and he plays over there quite a bit, you know, and he's been over there to play DJ sets and live music sets. He loves it. But what I love is that they, you know, they've, um, I mean, they, they embrace Western jazz. I mean, you know, it's quite interesting. The smooth jazz that we were talking about a couple of minutes ago while that song was playing is massive in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, all things, they embrace everything Western. It's fantastic. I love it. And um, and what they've done there, I mean, Kenichiro Nishihara, the guy that did the uh, expansions track, you know, he's, he's taken all the original elements of that song, which is an untouchable piece of music. Yeah. And he's done something quite special with it. He's given it a nice break beat. It moves along well. You like the flute, you know. Um, I, we were talking earlier about the triangle and all of that. It's a very well-crafted piece of music, you know, and uh, and I think he's a very intelligent musician and producer, as is the next guy, Shuyo Kino.
Oh my god, this is mind blowing. Yeah. Mike, thank you for hooking me up with this. No, it's no problem. I mean, it's just one of those records, isn't it? You just hear it. The first time I heard it, I just thought, you've got to be kidding me. And, and I, I don't know how your mind thinks to make you do that. You know, I mean, where do you find that sort of swing jazz thing in the middle of a song like that? It just didn't make sense. If I was going to sit there and say, I'm going to make a record now that sounds a bit like a 70s disco song, I'm going to turn it into a swing jazz record in the middle with a bit of vocal over it, you would just say, don't be ridiculous. Listen, I'm going to be a bit cheeky now and quote something. Check this out. About production. Yeah. I've learned to listen to where the music wants to take itself. You can start it going, but at a certain point, it begins to tell you where it wants to be. And if you try to hold on to whatever you had, whatever begun your journey, it's never going to work because it does kind of take a life of its own. And you really need to follow it. Then you wind up being happy. Herbie Hancock, what do you make of this? He's absolutely right, isn't he? Who am I to argue with him? But he's right. And actually it makes sense if he says that and you listen to his music, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, man, music is so deep, you can't touch, can you? <laughs> this has been great fun this afternoon, I've really enjoyed this and I, uh, I, can't, I couldn't think of a better way to spend an afternoon with the sun shining in London than listening to stuff like this. Mike, it's absolutely my pleasure and honour and uh, in fact I want to thank you for being on the Sunlight Square podcast and um, so is there any events coming up next that you want to mention? Uh, well, I mean, well, we mentioned the uh, Jerry Negro playing at Ronnie Scott's in London on the 14th of April um, it'd be great if people could join me for the radio show on Jazz FM at 6pm Saturday nights, that's GMT so uh, you can hear us online at jazzfm.com around the world so um, but yeah that'd be great you bet I'm gonna be there so what do you want to play as last track uh, right I've got a bit of a dilemma here now because I can't quite make my mind up I've got two songs to play mm. one of them is Lamont Dozier's Going Back to My Roots which is just incredible I love it and the other one is Tower of Power's What Is Hip Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and I really don't know which one to choose. And Tara Power are playing in London at Ronnie Scott's next week. And, um, you know, it's been sold out for ages. And I saw them last year at the North Sea Jazz Festival and they were just incredible. You've, t- you've sold it to me. I want to play the Tower of Power now. Okay, cool. <laughs> what, what track is it? That is uh, track eight on the CD. Track eight. Uh-huh. Mike Vitti. Thanks so much for, for being a guest here. I can't wait to be playing on more of your shows and uh, thanks for coming. Now you're welcome. Trip. 